Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, the podcast that's not only about you finding your finish line at a race or an event, but also in life. I'll talk with successful people that have jumped over a lot of hurdles to get to where they are today. And hopefully their inspirational stories will help inspire you to find your next finish line. Over the last three years, everybody, I appreciate it so much of you being a part of the podcast. Let me know what you like and the guests. And I'd also, I'd like to throw a big thanks out to BCC, Boulder County Communications, for their production, for their editing of this podcast. I couldn't do it without their incredible team. So thank you again, BCC. And athletes and coaches, if you're looking for a great training program that gives you better results in less time, take a look at TriDot Training, especially you coaches. You need to investigate into TriDot on how you can help all your athletes attain their goals and find their finish line. So go to TriDot.com. Okay, my guest today is someone I'm very excited to have on. I respect her immensely. She is a uh, former pro triathlete, Ironman, Ironman 70.3 champion. She's got a 237 marathon under her belt, co-founder of Win Republic Apparel and Malo Republic Activewear. And uh, she is one of the most respected people in the sport of triathlon. Beth McKenzie, welcome to Find Your Finish Line. Mike, that was such a such a nice greeting. Almost as good as you are an Iron Man, but not quite. You know, <laughs> I like hearing that one from you a bit more. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, my first question, Beth, to everybody on this podcast. I sometimes like to catch people on this because I know how you know A type personality we are. So, what kind of workout did you get in today, Beth? Oh, well, you know me too well, Mike. So right now I'm actually in Australia. So hello yeah. from Noosa, Australia. It's nine o'clock AM. And this morning I did, we talk in kilometers here. So a 20 yeah. K run. So about 12 and a half miles and then came home, got the kids on the bus and did a little bit of prep. And now I'm here. See, and, and you know, I knew I wouldn't catch you, even though it's early there uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, you still got to work out in. So I just love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we all know that that's, you know, starting your day with a workout means that it, it can't be a bad day in the end. So, so what's, go what's, what's going on in beautiful Noosa? Well, what's, the, what's the news from down there? How, how's the summer going? Well, it is full swing summer. It is so warm and humid here, Mike. It's ridiculous. Just 93 to 95% humidity every mm. single day. The temperatures are you know, in Fahrenheit, you know, mid to high 80s, but it's beautiful. It's the summer. Everybody's enjoying surfing and swimming and all the outdoor things that Noosa has to offer. So yeah, we're doing plenty of plenty of running and training. Well, as you know, I'm in Southern California, which you're very familiar with in San Diego <laughs> County. And it's been a deluge over the last few days of rain. We're just not used to this much rain. So I am very jealous. You can tell me it is 100% humidity. I am still jealous. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's perfect. We're, we're happy to have it. Beth, how much uh, to you, you and your husband, Luke, uh, travel back and forth now between, because I know, and we'll get into the, the business and all that, uh, is based, part of it's based here in Southern California. 
How much do you guys travel back and forth? So pre-COVID and now getting back to it, we usually make three to four trips to the U.S. per year, um, and two or three of those will be with our kids. So we just try to get back as much as we can, not only for the business, but because I do really miss California and also my family. So we are really fortunate in that we've created a life and a business where we can go back and work in the office, and then we can also tack on a family trip. So our next one is just in March. We are going to go skiing with my family in Colorado, and then the next week go to Oceanside 70.3, do an expo there, and cheer on all of our athletes, and then visit the office. Good. I can't wait to see you on Oceanside. I'll be down there since I oh, live good. right now. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see you guys. I knew you were going to say Oceanside. I'm glad. I'm glad it's on your schedule. Beth, do you think, you know, being a mom and of two beautiful children as, as they're getting older, is it going to be tougher? Like get my, my daughter's got a nine-year-old and five-year-old, you know, it's like we're parents again, but is, is it going to be tougher to travel like that and take them out of school? How do you think that's all going to work out? Yeah, actually, our girls are the same age as your daughter's girls, so nine and six currently, and it has been more challenging the past couple of years now that they're in school and they have so many activities. But the Australian calendar is a bit different in that they have um, two or three week break every quarter. Mm -hmm. So those tend to be the times that we go back. So this is like their Easter break in March coming up. So they'll miss a few days on either end. But I think the life experience and being able to spend time with the grandparents over there, uh, it's all well worth it. So they do miss a little bit of school, but we try to do the work and get it all done. Beth, I think we met, I was thinking back in Oceanside, maybe when you were an age grouper back in like 2010 or so. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, 2016, you did Ironman Australia as an age grouper. I know we met there. But tell us the story of, uh, because you were born and raised in Boston or Philly? Philly, Philadelphia. My Philly. family still lives there. Yeah. And, and so what, what prompted the move to Southern California? Yeah. So I grew up in Philadelphia. I was an East Coast girl. I was a sporty kid, but nothing nothing crazy. I did a lot of uh, typical East Coast sports. So field hockey and lacrosse. I played mm -hmm. varsity for four years. And then I went to college at Vanderbilt University in Tennessee. Um, and at Vanderbilt, I pretty much just majored in partying. I didn't do anything athletic. I was not <laughs> a sporty person anymore. I had briefly considered walking onto the um, lacrosse team, but then the partying quickly took over and I just focused on my studies and partying. And I didn't do much athletic until I was about 28 and I was living in San Diego and I decided to take up running because, you know, there were a lot of people around me running and uh, a friend of mine from New York had said, Hey, I'm coming out to run this rock and roll marathon mm -hmm. and I want you to do it with me. And I was said, well, at the time, I wasn't really running at all. And I was like, no, nah, you're crazy. She said, no, 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 just do it. So I, I looked up, I don't know if I could look up online in, back in 2008. I'm sure I could. But I found the San Diego Track Club and I joined the San Diego Track Club and started training for this marathon. Wow. Um, but quickly, I found out that I was actually a pretty good runner for somebody who had never run before, like ever. <laughs> I'd never run an 800 on the track or anything. And I was 28 years old. So um, right away, I just sort of got those not only endorphins, but also just the positive feedback of like, oh, wow, you, you know, you're doing well. And I started running and running a little bit too much and then very quickly got a stress fracture 
uh, only about six or seven weeks into my running career. And that was like a six month injury. And my dad said to me, he said, oh, so I didn't make it to the start line of that San Diego rock and roll marathon. In fact, I was on crutches on the sideline cheering on my friend. But I had caught the bug and my dad started to get a bit worried about me. And he's like, oh, well, you know, maybe you should do something a bit more reasonable. Um, <laughs> and he was into cycling. And so he said, I'll, I'll buy you. I was getting my master's at the time in school psychology as an educational psychologist from San Diego State University. And he said, for your, for your master's graduation, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you a bike. So I went on my mm. bike into high-tech bikes in San Diego. Yeah. Uh, not on my bike, on my crutches yeah. into high-tech bikes with my dad. And dad got me this little Orbea road bike and said, why don't you try this? And he thought I was going to be much more moderate in my uh, subsequent pursuits. But instead, I that's how I found triathlon. And um, safe to say, it was not a more moderate uh, experience in the end. <laughs> once I did my first triathlon, I never really turned back to running. Um, I did in there, I did try to do a marathon at one point in 2010. I ran a, like my first sub three marathon, but other than that, it was all triathlon all the time. So I started as an age grouper. And then in 2012 is when I decided to, to take my pro card after having, um, done quite a few, I think I'd done about three full Ironmans and lots of 70.3s at the time and just had worked my way up to the top of the age group, still working full time as a school psychologist in Del Mar um, and loving life, but just, you know, I was ready to take that next leap. Yeah. Well, Beth, we have so many age groupers that are still just coming into triathlon for the first time. What, what was your first triathlon that you did, you competed in? My first triathlon was called, and you'll know this because you're from San Diego, but the, the spring sprint in Mission Bay, California. Ka Ka Kaza's event. I've done that. Yeah, it, yeah. that that's the and best, it, isn't it? And I think it was only like a 300 meter swim, yeah. maybe, which was good for me because I was never the best swimmer. And then maybe a 20K bike, I'm not sure. And then a 5K run at the end. And I think I ran my way through the field and thought, okay, let's go bigger next time. So yeah, that was my my first one in 2008. You did. You started going bigger and uh, got your pro card. 2015. That was your first Ironman win as a female professional, wasn't it? Switzerland. Yeah. So Ironman yeah. Switzerland. But the, actually, the first time I really remember, and you were there, um, calling Where? me across the finish line in one of my one of my first really good races was Ironman Wisconsin in 2012. Mm. I was second. Um, I didn't win, but it was, I just remember you being there and it was just one of those, one of those awesome, awesome events. But yeah, so I actually had my first daughter in 2014, May of 2014. Um, but I was really, I had only just, when I got pregnant, I had only just started to get some sponsors and things like that. So once I came back, I was determined to sort of come back quite quickly, which I don't know if was the best decision in the end. But um, when Wynn was 13 months old is when I won Ironman Switzerland. So that was a big, big thing for me. Yeah. And you know what? You were kind of the leader, so to speak, of pro triathletes and, and having ch children coming back in a short period of time and doing very, very well. And I've talked to Rennie about this. I've talked to Meredith Kessler uh, and so many others. I, did you experience the same type thing where, wow, I, I came back much quicker than I thought I was going to come back after giving birth? 
I am not injured. I'm doing very well. Did that surprise you how you came back and really in a relatively short period of time, won an Ironman after having win? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where at first, the first few months you think, there's no way I'm ever <laughs> going to get back in that kind of shape, let alone be any better than I was before. But one of the things it really does make you do afterwards is prioritize your time and, you know, any time that you're away from your son or daughter mm -hmm. after having a child, you're going to make it count a lot more. So I did find I was really more focused in my sessions and making sure that I was achieving a goal every single time I got out the door because that meant that when I came back, I could just, you know, relax because you're not yeah. just half half-assing it for a better, for lack of a better word. But um, yeah, I did. I found that coming back, you do have a little bit of that mom strength, but I do think it does. It is taken away by the lack of sleep and just the juggling and things like that. I don't, I don't think there's any sort of like special recipe for, for moms, but having a supportive family. And I had Luke at the time really helping me try to get back into triathlon. Uh, and he was really supportive of my goals because I'd taken off the time to, you know, have our daughter, he wanted, he was putting me forward right. uh, as much as him. And at the time, I know we haven't mentioned him yet, but Luke, he was a much more successful triathlete than I was. And so that was, for me, it was really special that he was prioritizing my goals, even though they weren't quite as high, you know, he was on the level where he could potentially win a world championship where I was just trying to, you know, get back into fighting shape and, I did, you know, win an Ironman, but it wasn't, I wasn't going to win Kona. So it was really cool. Uh, where, I, I don't know, where'd you meet Luke at? Did you, you met him here in San Diego? Where'd you meet guys meet? Yeah. So I was living in Cardiff uh -huh. um, when I was working full time as a school psychologist. And Luke had just sort of moved over from Australia um, in, this is in like May of 2013. And he, we knew each other vaguely through the circuit and through friends, but he contacted me and said, hey, uh, do you know anyone who's renting a room? Because I'm looking to live in Cardiff or around there in Sanitas for, for, the, for the summer. And I actually happened to know a guy, which you know him too. Do you know, remember Mac Brown? Oh, yeah. And Mac Brown was renting out a room in his, uh, in his house, which just happened to be like literally 200 meters from where I was living. <laughs> so I said, yeah, you can go rent this room from Mac Brown. And then, so Luke ended up living down the street from me. And then, you know, he'd contact me to say, Hey, where should I go on a ride? And I'd say, Oh, well, I can show you around. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it all just, <laughs> it all just sort of went from there. So we, we started to be a little bit of training partners and that I was kind of showing him around the, the neighborhood. And then it evolved from there. And we, um, he actually was the one who convinced me to, I was already racing pro, but he saw the way that I was riding and I was not riding very well. I was, you know, very sub average in the cycling department as far as pro triathletes went. But then once I got off the bike, I could run myself into contention. Um, you can't really do that anymore these days, but yeah. at that time you could do it a little bit. And, um, but he said, you know what, if you actually were riding more, I was only riding like maybe a hundred miles a week or something. So I was working full time. I do, you know, a couple workouts during the week and then a big workout on the weekend. He said, if you really committed, I think you could be, I think you could be pretty good. Um, so I took a leave of absence from my job for the following year 
And they, I was really surprised they granted it to me, but they said, yep, you can have one year and then go and see what you can do in this pro triathlon thing. So Luke convinced me to do that pretty early on. We went to do a training camp in Bend, Oregon for a few months, and I was improving, starting to get ready. And then actually that's when I found out I was pregnant. So this is only like four months into the whole ordeal, which is pretty funny. And it's all worked out in the end, but I had just left my job and then I was pregnant. So I couldn't even be, be a pro triathlete at the time. Um, so I guess that maybe goes back to explain why he was so supportive of me coming back. Cause I think he felt yeah. really responsible <laughs> that I had, you know, given up my career essentially to. Yeah. He was, he was a little responsible, Matthew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think it, I mean, it was great for us all in the end. That was the year that he, yeah. Luke was second in Kona in 2013. And I, I don't even remember the, the, the question you asked me and where I went with it, but that's sort of how, um, yeah, how you guys met. Yeah. Yeah, how we met. And so things just got but we were we had already been living together. We were very serious. So when we found out we were pregnant, it was a great and amazing surprise. And we were so happy about it. And, you know, we obviously made our life work around that instead of um, you know, giving up everything for our children. We decided it was better for our children to come along with us on the ride and see us chase our dreams. Good. Good. Well, actions speak louder than words and they're seeing what you guys do every day. And that's, that's the influence. Yeah. And you know, you do know that one of my most special moments I ever had at the finish line in Kona was with Luke uh, when he did finish second in 2013. And the picture that was taken is one of my most prized picture possessions of him sitting down on his ass, you know, not, not believing I got the microphone in his, Luke, you came in second, you know, Frederick Van Leerd wasn't that far in front, only a few minutes. And Luke came busting through and it was just, it was just a marvelous moment. And, uh, you know, how close I am to all the Australians and announcing that race. So it was, that was a beautiful moment. I, I'll cherish that. And I've told Luke that a few times. I cherish that for the rest of my life. Yeah. He loves that photo. It's a, it's a great keepsake for us as well. Oh, thank you. Uh, let's talk about the company, you know, out of that, out of that pregnancy, there came win, win Republic named after your daughter. Exactly. And Luke was racing a long time trying to find out, you know, what he could wear, what could be more efficient on the bike, on the run. And then uh, you guys, did you just start putting your heads together? Well, wait a minute, maybe we can design a, uh, line of apparel, which by the way, the, the apparel business is the toughest business you probably ever can get into. It, it is just a very, very tough business. I've been there, as you know, and, and, uh, but you guys took it on and how'd that all come to fruition of you deciding let's put together a, a company that produces great triathlon clothing. Yeah. Well, it sort of goes back originally to the story we were just talking about when Luke was second in Kona, there were two things he did that year that were a little bit different. So one of them was he was, one of the first guys to wear an arrow sleeved mm-hmm. trisuit. And he was the, pretty much the only one in the race that year that was wearing one besides the, um, actually, so he had helped Saucony, who was his sponsor at the time, develop that suit. So they um, talked to some other companies and he worked with Saucony to get that suit for Kona. And then Saucony also got, because Luke had done some testing with Simon Smart, who's an aerodynamicist, um, with drag to zero and found how much faster that suit could be. So he wanted to wear one. 
And so they also were able to get it for the other Saucony athletes that year. But he was really the first one to be wearing it. Definitely the only guy on the podium that was wearing yeah. a, a suit. And he led, he led a lot of the bike race that year. Um, and then he also had the trucker hat. So that was another, another one that uh, became a little signature Luke thing. But ever since that point, you know, other people started wearing more sleeve triathlon suits. We started working with um, another company that sponsored us, which was Endura, just helping them develop suits as well. And it was something that Luke was really passionate about. And then on the other side of it, I was always really passionate about making sure the suits looked really good, had a fun design, um, and were, you know, not too, I don't know what the word is, but I, I just like things that looked really classic and clean. And I was mm -hmm. very conscious about the aesthetic, whereas he was very conscious about the technology. So um, we kept the interest in that, but then eventually his, the relationship with Endura um, was no longer. And I got a letter in the mail when we were living in San Diego and it was to Aero LLC. So A-E-R-O-O -O LLC. And I said, Luke, what's this? And he said, oh, well, I, I thought we could, you know, make a company that had just had a tri-suit and we'd call it Aero because it's like Aero kangaroo type of thing. And I thought, okay, that's fine. But um, <laughs> I don't know about the name. Uh, <laughs> I'm interested in this. Let's, let's really talk about this, you know, because he had just sort of, I think, got the name as a side project. And then we started mm -hmm. talking more about it. And we thought, oh, you know what, this is something we could do. So eventually we um, just started uh doing research and trying to find out more about technology, apparel, factories, things like that. And we were just going to make one tri-suit like for men. And, but as I tend to do with any ideas, I just sort of took it and run with it. And we ended up coming out with a whole line um, in 2017, which was cycling and triathlon apparel. And we named it Win Republic after our daughter, Win. So um, yeah, that's the story of how it started. But we ended up launching it just two weeks before our second daughter, Marlo, was born. Um, so I was on the floor just, you know, stamping mailer bags, fully nine and a half months pregnant on on the floor of an Airbnb in Encinitas. And yeah, it's good times. Yeah. <laughs> you, you look back and you must think, how, how the heck did we do that? I, I mean, because you know what time's all about. We never have enough of it during the day. And then the second child comes along, Milo comes along and wow. That's something else. And but you crazy, knew. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, the crazy thing about that was, too, is that we knew that in order to launch the brand that we really wanted Luke to be at the center of it, mm -hmm. we couldn't pay any other athletes to market it for us. So we wanted to market it ourselves. And so at the time that we were launching the brand also, he was training for Ironman Wisconsin in 2017. Um, so just six weeks after Marlo was born, so about eight weeks after we launched the company, he did Ironman Wisconsin. He won that year. It yeah. was like the first real time in that suit. So we were also trying to balance that career. Um, and then I started coming back to racing after having Marlo um, in, by 2018. So it was a very busy time in our lives. I, we do look back now. I'm like, how did we handle that? I have no idea. I'm glad we did, but I'm glad it was just a moment in time. Cause I don't think it was sustainable. And you had to, because when you're obviously trying to promote a line like when you, you can't exactly have a huge advertising spend. So you went 
you and Luke went to expo after expo after expo, you know, standing there and showing the line and presenting the line. Uh, how many expos a year did you guys do? Uh, you know, we actually do more now, but now we luckily have some help at them. But some even stat. in the beginning, we were doing five or five or six expos a year, maybe more, and making sure we were at the world championships. But what that involved sometimes was like in 2018, um, you know, we both Luke and I raced Kona as professionals and we ran the expo, had one person mm -hmm. there helping us, but I don't know how we both ran the expo the whole time and both our kids were there. So, you know, looking back, we're just like, I think we did get to a certain point eventually where we're like, you know what, I think something's got to give. So eventually that was the pro triathlon career. And I was still really keen on racing for a while. Um, but in 2020, Luke knew that he wanted to retire and um, we were going to go to Roth and have sort of like a big, big kind of retirement race. But that didn't happen because of COVID. So instead, mm -hmm. it just sort of fizzled out. I did another Ironman in 2020, but it was just it was at the end of the year and it was not really what you want your last one to be. I think I just wanted to get another one in. Um, but yeah, it, I'm glad that we retired. I do. I miss racing professionally, but I'm doing lots of running and stuff now. So I have my other goals to keep me busy, but don't have to train 30 hours a week. Yeah. You, I, I mean, I see you, you are running a lot of races and I think you like that half marathon and marathon distance. What about Luke? Is he, Jumping in a lot of running races? Uh, he, Luke, he spent 20 years as a professional triathlete. Yeah. And he's the kind of guy that when he was done was like, I don't really need to race anymore. But he does like um, training with me on the little challenges that mm -hmm. I try to do. So anytime that I'm signed up for a race or something, a lot of times he'll sign up as well or just come and be a training partner for me. Actually, next Next weekend, I'm running a 100-kilometer trail race in New Zealand, um, one of the uh, Ironman UTMB oh, great. Uh, Tarawera Ultramarathon. Mm -hmm. And so he's been doing a lot of training with me for that. But uh, I've said he should just jump into the 50K, but I don't think he's going to. <laughs> You're not going to convince him, are you? <laughs> I don't think so. But yeah, he's yeah. keeping fit, just surfing, doing a lot of ski paddling. He's got a lot of variety in his training now, doing some strength training. So it's good. He's keeping fit and healthy and leaving the the silly the silly stuff to me. So Beth, where's a lot of your uh, inspiration still coming from on the design of the line on the men's and women's side? Are you? I know you're working with uh, Chelsea Sodaro and Lionel and Ashley Gentle, you know, on, on uh, working with you. Does a lot of it come from the pros or uh, you, or the age groupers? How do you how do you decide? Okay, next season we really have to attack this part of the line. Yeah, for me, it's all about from 2017. My main goal. I looked out there in the triathlon space, and everything was very loud and busy and crazy mm -hmm. and in your face. And that's great. It does get you noticed on the race course and on the road too. So I do appreciate that, but I felt like there was always room and space for something a little more simple and classic. So everything in our line that I've designed has always been really along the lines of trying to pair things back to let the textiles and the technology shine. So I like a simple, clean design, you know, some add in some stripes or color blocks, but things that are classic that are going to stand the test of time. And then you can actually see more 
how the garment fits and how it really, you know, lays across the body mm -hmm. to be the most aerodynamic or how the seams are perfectly matched, um, how the zipper cover works, things like that. When you have too much design on there, you can't really appreciate those finer details of their real, you know, I like to say I run a tech company, not an apparel company, because we are yeah. really trying to push the boundaries of the technology in triathlon. We're doing, um, a lot as far as design is not only what it looks like, but how it's made. So we are doing a lot of wind tunnel testing and velodrome testing with all of our top professional athletes for um, past suits, but also our next suit that's coming up in July. So, you yeah. know, after, after 2020, after the pandemic, 21, 2021 and 22, I started seeing more and more of your product at the finish lines. I just started noticing, whoa, another athlete with one, you know, age groupers with it on, not, not only the pros. Uh, are you, have you guys been happy over the last few years with your growth and how you've infiltrated the age group ranks? Yeah, I think actually the company has started to come to a point where it's almost as big as we ever thought, or it would dreamed it would be. Uh, Australia was very, very quick to pick up, you know, we felt more, there was more opportunity in Australia because there's less competition. There's only a few big triathlon brands here, whereas in the U.S. and around the world, there's there's a yeah. whole lot more. There's so many. So in Australia, sometimes it's really easy to feel like a, a bigger fish in a small pond. But then, of course, as soon as we go across to California, we're like, where there's no win here. Where is it all? You know, and the race course, you only see a few and you get so excited about every one. Um, but we have been really impressed with the growth. One of the great parts about the, the growth with the age groupers is not only just all of our inline kits, but we have like an ambassador team called Winner, which is all age group ambassadors. And that started out the first year as I think 70 people in 2017. Um, and now in 2024, it's about 1,100 between wow. yeah australia mostly australia and the u.s the u.s is about 700 australia is a little bit less and then a few international um and of those amount uh 44 have been there since 2017 so a lot of the originals are still there and we have this like really special community uh of people that get together at races and it really does feel like a community so that's always been super important to us um in working with that and the winners um, so that's been a great part of the age group thing to see expand. Yeah, I love that. The winners, W-Y-N-E-R-S, correct? <laughs> it's just W-Y-N-R, like N-R, winner, W-Y-N-R. Yeah. Which it can look like whiner, I realize. I'm like, oh, that's not good, but we, we know it's winner. <laughs> yeah, triathletes aren't whiners. Well, no. I'll take that back. They're winners, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's been cool to see the pro athletes take an interest in yeah. working with us because I think they, you know, especially now, so we are working with some of the top athletes like Chelsea Sodaro, you mentioned, and Lionel Sanders and Ash Gentle. And with some of them, I know they had other offers that were just as good as ours, if not maybe better, but they knew how much Luke and I really cared about the relationship with them and making sure that we were going to have the best and fastest suits for them rather than just using them in marketing, that kind of thing. So that part of the community has been really special for us as well. And we feel always just super invested in their racing and excited to be there on the sidelines. And, you know, you see us around the world all the time. We, Luke and I go to as many races as we can. So, 
you know, I, I, the thought just hit me, Beth, about the correlation and the kind of the sameness of Lionel and Luke. Mm, I, yeah. they're, they're kind of the same profile and type of athlete and, and look good in the, in the <laughs> kit. I just, I don't know. It just seems like looking back at the career of, of Luke and being there so many races that he was at and then Lionel, they're kind of one and the same to me. I don't know if anybody's yeah. ever said that. But. Yeah, no, I mean, the thing I love about Lionel, what everyone loves about Lionel is he's just, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he's so gener- uh, so easy to emotionally connect with. And you can mm-hmm. feel that raw emotion all the time. And I think people really connect with that because it's something that we all feel. And he is just so inspiring to so many people because you, you see his triumphs, but you also right there for his failures and being so close, so upfront and so close to all that. Like, I really hope, you know, we've only just started working with Lionel, but I hope that that emotional connection comes through, you know, when he's wearing our kit and things like that. And people, you know, I know they look at Lionel as such an inspiration because he is, he's time and time again, he gets knocked down. He does the wrong thing. He makes a mistake. He's, it's an emotional roller coaster, but at the same time, like you just want to be along for the ride and you want to see him succeed. So um, we're really excited to take that that journey with him this year. Yeah, congratulations on that. Talk to us about the Malo, the 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 uh, Malo Republic, the yeah. activewear line that you have, and and tell us about the buy one give one program, which I think is very cool. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, so Malo Republic, you know, we, we thought, okay, our daughter Wynn has a, a brand of her own, <laughs> her own and so yeah. we have to give one to Marlo and our daughter Marlo, it's spelled Marlo, but we made it Malo, M-A-L-O, because that's how Australians say her name. So they pronounce yeah, it Malo. I know, Malo, <laughs> Malo. Yeah. But also Malo stands for making active little ones. So the premise of Malo was to have active wear that was all purpose made by one give one. So we're not just giving away like an extra that's in the warehouse for everyone that people purchase. We donate one specific child's item. So we make children's and youth shorts, sports bras, t-shirts, all of that, and work with organizations that serve underserved um, youth to help get them into sports. Um, So we've done a lot with that over the past few years, it's been really rewarding. Um, but at the same time, it is exciting and different, you know, a small company evolving, we've realized um, that rolling Malo back into the Win brand is what's going to help drive the whole brand forward in the future. So we are keeping the buy one, give one program for the active wear and working on some more relationships with the organizations we've worked with moving forward, but, um, we're actually not going to have, I, we haven't really told Marlo this yet, but we're not going to have Malo as a separate brand anymore. It's all going to be rolled onto win active. So just, we've found that we need to sort of simplify everything in our lives in order to really make, I think to help win grow as big as it can. I think that's the best move, but it's been a tricky one to navigate over the past year. Um, but yeah, so we're starting to sunset Malo and roll it into win active. Are are people able to, do you have a lot of retail locations selling the line or is it mostly uh, direct online? So we're all almost all direct to consumer, just purchasing online as well as at expos around the world. 
Um, this year, we are exploring some distribution in Asia and Europe um, through working with distributors and possibly the UAE. But mostly it's just all online. I think that's how we can serve the consumers the best and really connect with people. But um, I don't know. I also think that right as we were about to go into some real retailers was when COVID hit. And then I was yeah. like, oh, my God, thank God we're not in retailers. <laughs> So it's a, it's a tricky one. It'd be great if there were more places people could go and try on the gear, but I'm, I'm hoping in the next year or two, we could have um, a few maybe uh, retail shops of our own rather than a distributor model. Not sure. We're still working all that out. Yeah. And especially if you're here in Southern California, you get to the Oceanside 70.3, you can try on all try the gear you want to win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we have a great return policy. So anything that, you know, people buy online, we do free returns and exchanges because it is, it's so important in triathlon to get the perfect fit and in cycling, you know, you can't have a baggy tri suit or anything. So right. we, we genuinely want people to get into the right size. So we just make it easy for them. Beth, you and Luke have, you know, you've got that entrepreneurial spirit and it's, it's not easy starting any business. What advice would you give to someone out there who's, you know, thinking about breaking away from that job or, or not, but trying to start their own business with what their passion is. What advice would you give them, Beth? The advice I'd give to anybody is really just to not feel like you have to have all your ducks in the in a row to get started. Um, you know, you may have a product that you think is 85% there and you want it to be 100% there. But the best thing you could do would be to launch that product, get the feedback, and then iterate very quickly. Um, we're constantly tweaking all of our designs and things and making them even better. But if we hadn't just gotten out there in the beginning and said, this is what we've got, let's work with it, then we wouldn't have... Um, you know, we wouldn't have taken that leap and been able to improve so quickly. So I think realizing that nothing's ever going to be perfect, but always being willing to to change it quickly and rapidly is actually a very, um, a very big asset of any small company, any solo entrepreneur, because you can make any changes you want. And that's what we love about our company. You know, we're fully bootstrapped. We don't have any investors. We've done this all on our own from the beginning, but that's mm. great because whenever we want to make a big decision, we don't need to ask anybody. We can just change it. <laughs> if I want to, if I want to change something or add in a new product or do anything, we can do that. And you know what? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You can change for the next version. But don't be afraid to just to give things a try because you can keep tweaking and changing as you go. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. And I think that would be my biggest piece of advice. Great, great advice. And and it's nice being your own. Board of Directors, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It is. Um, we, we like having full, con not that we need full control, but we like being, you know, being able to make the decisions that we know are right for the company. Um, our, our good friend and business partner, Katie Riley, she runs the U.S. office, so she has a, a portion of the business as well. But as far as outside investors or anybody who's not directly involved in the day-to-day -day business, um, we don't have those. And I think for us, that's, it's great. That's what we want. We don't, we don't need to be, you know, the biggest triathlon brand in the world. We want to be the best triathlon brand in the world. And that doesn't mean that it's the biggest one. So good for you. Well, and everybody, Katie Riley, that is no relation, but I, I know Katie well before she was a Riley and yeah. tougher Riley. So 
Uh, a, a beautiful family, and and I'm glad she's with you. She's she's a sweetheart. She's done a great job. Beth, one of my last questions on find your finish line is it's called tri table racing. It comes out of you, you know Southern California. There's the Baja 1000 racing with the trophy trucks, and they race all the way down to La Paz. And mm-hmm. I've got great friends that race it, and I've I've gone down and raced with them, and and afterwards they get together after the event and they sit around a table, they call it table racing. Let's table race, reminisce about the event. (laughs) You try table race with us on the triathlon side and reminisce with us about something that happened at an event with you, a memory you remember. So try table race with us. Ooh. So like a a triathlon that I've done, something like that? Sure. Yeah. Or a, a marathon. <laughs> it could be a marathon. Whatever you want to try table race with us. We're reminiscing about whatever event you want to talk about. Ah, uh, well, so one of the things I've been really, really proud that I've gone after is that last year I decided I was going to try to make an Olympic trials qualifying time for the marathon. And, you know, I'm 42. This is when I was 42. I'm 44 now, but I was 40, 42, had two kids two businesses, like life was pretty busy, but I thought, you know, there's some dreams that I I never knew that I could run even a sub three marathon when I was 28 years old. And then the fact that at 42, I'm dreaming of running a sub 237 marathon is crazy. Mm -hmm. So um, I really went full force into the marathon and I was training for California International Marathon, which is in Sacramento mm-hmm. um, in 2022. At the end of 2022, it was December. And um, I got to that race. I was super fit. And I thought, okay, I'm going for the Olympic trials qualifying time. Here we go. Uh, and started out. And I've just the first half of the race, I was like, this is amazing. I have never been so fit. This is so easy. I'm going to run a 235. I was on pace for just smashing it and all these really inspiring uh, women around me that all had the same goal because that was a a race where a lot of people go and try to qualify for the Olympic trials and um, you know around it was about uh, 15 to 16 miles all of a sudden like my left quad just blew up like very surprisingly like I didn't know what it was but it was just very very painful Um, so I ended up sort of hobbling to the finish not hobbling, but I lost about four minutes in that last uh, 10 miles. And I crossed over the finish line in 237.47. And in order to qualify for the Olympic trials, I needed a 236.59. So I'd missed it by 48 seconds. (laughs) And, but I was just smiling and happy. And I'm looking at these other women at the finish line who had finished. There were about three or four of them who had finished right before me. Um, but still missed the cutoff. So within that minute of time, and mm-hmm. they were just devastated and crying. And I just wanted to go and console them because I, I, even in the moment that it took me to cross that finish line, I already had the perspective that, you know, 80 year old me is going to look back and think, well, 237 is pretty damn fast. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't always quite achieve the goal you wanted, but you know, I was running, I ran a sub six minute mile marathon at age 42. Mm -hmm. And like, to me, that's a great accomplishment. Did I qualify for Olympic trials? No. And then after that, I actually didn't really, I don't think I continued to pursue it because I had done a few other marathons and I did a 238 and a 239. 
And then I thought, okay, well, it's just not for me, this reaching this goal. But in, in the process of it, I really found things, you know, I was still faster than I ever thought I would be at 42, 43. Um, I still enjoyed pursuing goals. I loved what I was getting out of the process of training for these and, you know, putting everything out there and, and not achieving the goal sometimes is an important lesson too, not only for us, but for my kids. Um, so that's cool. So Olympic trials was last weekend. I, I didn't go, but I'm going to do a hundred K trail race next weekend. So yeah, there that, you go. that's my table race. I don't know if I did that right. I'm not sure I understand. Yeah, you I'll did. Have to, that, I'll have to you, listen that, to what a table race really is. It, that was, that was perfect. That was absolutely perfect. And you know what it, it is impressive, Beth, Obviously, mom of two, you're a wife, and it's not like you have a job. You own your own business. So when when people say to me, oh, God, I work eight hours a day, and I don't know how I'm going to get the training in, I go, let me tell you about this person. And <laughs> you're, you're the type I would tell about because you own your own business, and that's 24-7. Hmm. That is every day of the year, every night, every morning, and it uh, it's it's part of your life more than just going and sitting in the cube. So congratulations on that. That was a great reminisce. I, I know you ran that race. I, I knew you didn't qualify, but I didn't know it was so close. It was so close. Yeah. But I'm honestly, like, I just felt so bad for these other girls that were right oh. there with me, not even thinking, Hey, I'm in the same boat as them. I didn't qualify. This is devastating. I was like, Oh, are you okay? It's going to be fine. You know, we'll, we'll be all right. There's always a next one. Um, well, so. it, it reminds me of my qualification when I, ran to qualify for Boston. My Ooh. qualification time was 2.50. Wow. You, you know what I ran? 2.49.59. I was the last one to qualify. I didn't go. You were on the right my, side of the finish. I was on just on the right side. And there were, there were guys at, you know, four or five seconds over, and I'm looking them on the printed sheet hanging on the wall going, oh, my God those guys are going to go shoot themselves. This is terrible. I couldn't imagine that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was that other guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Safe to say I was all right. I had good perspective that day already. Went and had a burger, went wine tasting and all was good. You, you got it all down. I love that, Beth. Beth, well, how can people find you, find Win Republic, uh, join winners, join your yeah. club? Uh, let us know how they can do that. Yeah, well, I still share a lot of my own personal journey just on my Instagram, which is Beth at Beth G. McKenzie. Um, you can find me there, but Win Republic is everywhere. And it's, I should let everyone know it's spelled with a Y. So it's W-Y-N-R-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com. And um, there's winrepublic.com or follow it on Instagram or Facebook at Win Republic. And just check out what we're doing. It's you know, even our Instagram page, you can tell is not really about the product. It's about the journey and about triathlon. And, um, you know, this past weekend, we went, Luke and I went to cheer on our athletes in Tasmania because um, Chelsea Sodaro came over and mm -hmm. it was a big race and Braden Curry was there and Grace Beck and some of our other big athletes. And we ended up having all win Republic athletes on the female podium for the first time ever. So it was um, Chelsea Wynn and then Hannah DeVette, who's Hayden Wild's uh, partner. And they were all in Win Republic. And we have this awesome reel from, from that. So there's just a lot of cool stuff for inspiration over on that page too. It's not really about product. So check out Win Republic Instagram. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to mention that, how you had the podium for the women's side at, at, uh, in Tassie. 
Uh, that is fantastic. Uh, you must be so proud. You're standing up there looking at him going, whoa, my gosh, one, <laughs> two, and three. <laughs> it was so cool. And Luke and I really only, we made a last minute decision to go down there because we thought, oh. you know what, we should be there. We were only in Tasmania for like 22 hours, literally. Um, so we're so proud of all those women. They made it worth it for us to go. And we got to cheer everyone else on as well. Well, Beth McKenzie, thank you very much for thank being on you. Find Your Finish Line. This has been an honor and a pleasure. I, uh, I follow you constantly, you and Luke. I cannot wait to see you guys at Oceanside. And uh, well, so and I know last year you had to stay away from Connor because you, you just couldn't, couldn't be there. What do you think about this year? I don't know. It, it, uh, it's being, let's put it this way, it's being discussed right now. Okay, cool. Neat. It's, it's being discussed. Well, yeah. We always hope to see you there as well, but I'm excited we'll see you in Oceanside. Uh, that, that, that's sweet of you. And one of my best Thank memories you. of you, if I can just well, chime in, sure. um, was that I can't remember which race it was because I've seen you at so many, but it was the one where your son was doing his first Ironman. Oh, it was Ironman Arizona in 2013. Yep. Yeah. Was it 13 or 14? Yeah. I don't know. I know it's too uh, hard to remember all these things, 13, right? Yeah, 2013. But you know, you were there and like you were you were doing the announcing and everything. And so that was obviously a big part of the job. But really what you were focused on was your son's race that day and how exciting that was. And it was just, I re I'll always remember that conversation with you and just how proud you were of him and everything. So that was really cool. Um, See, it. one day you and Luke are going to be standing here at the finish line watching Wynn or that'd be crazy. Marlo come on in. And you guys are going to be crying your eyes out. I know. I bet that was a cool <laughs> moment for you. So anyway. It was. Thank you for that. I love it. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another edition of Find Your Finish Line. If you like what we're doing, give us a review. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or my website, MikeRiley.net. Remember, everyone, you're the cause of your own experience. Keep those experiences positive all day long, all week long, all month long and you'll find your finish line. Aloha.